Well, Jose's story is just such a beautiful example of a life changed by Christ. And so grateful that this Christmas for him, he's getting to experience and celebrate his Savior, our Savior, the Savior of the world coming at Christmas. As we dive in today, I'd love to invite you to grab your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9, that's where we are going to be at today. However you access God's Word, go ahead, have that in front of you. If you like following along, you like taking notes, uh, we have notes available at the Northridge Church app. You can uh, follow along there as well. And as you're getting settled in and we get started here, I, I think we would all agree that names are important. Names are very important. When you call someone out by their name, that's kind of like a big deal. That indicates obviously that you know them and you, you know who they are. When you hear your name, it's like there's this connection. You're, you're drawn in. When, when someone uses your name, it's, it's meaningful. In fact, I was thinking about, you know, 2023, it's coming to an end. And I was thinking about, you know, what are the most popular names of 2023? What were the most popular boy names, girl names that, that parents gave to their kids in 2023? In fact, any guesses or any thoughts in your mind, like for a girl's name, what would be the, the most popular girl's name for 2023? Think about that. It was actually, it's Olivia. Olivia, most popular girl's name of 2023. How about, how about boy names? Think in your mind, like what, what would be the most popular boy name of 2023? What do you think? It's Noah. Noah, most popular boy's name of 2023. Hey, Brighton Campus, wow, your campus pastor, he's one cool dude. He's got the most popular name of 2023, right? Names are important. They're significant. And names, names were actually really important in Bible times. In fact, the name that a parent gave to a child during uh, biblical times kind of represented this life vision, or it was like a a life picture of what these parents hoped their child would pursue or one day become. You think of names like Abraham, which means father of many. You think of the name Ruth. Ruth, that means compassionate friend or friendship. Think of Moses. His name means to draw out or to pull out. Names were oftentimes this picture of a life's vision. I love what Proverbs 22 verse 1 says. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. You see, the reality is when people hear your name, they think something immediately about you, about your life, about who you are, about what you stand for. When someone at work hears your name, there are immediately thoughts that come to their mind based off of experiences that they have had with you. Names are important, and because names are important, we've been taking some time to go back to the first Christmas and to go back and look at some of the names that Jesus was given at the first Christmas because they help us understand and see the picture of Jesus and who he is and what he means for our lives. And so today we find ourselves in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is probably one of the more well-known Christmas passages of Scripture, right? We, we sing songs about this verse. You'll see and, and receive Christmas cards with this verse on it, maybe even Christmas ornaments. I mean, it's a beautiful verse here where Isaiah is once again telling us, prophesying about the coming of Jesus. And he writes this. He says, for to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Here again, Isaiah, he's telling us about this Messiah, that Jesus is going to come. And here we see not only is he, do we have one name, we see four amazing names that he tells us that Jesus will be called. We see Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And today we want to focus in on that first one there of Wonderful Counselor. What does that mean? And, and I think to help us understand what this name means of wonderful counselor, we need to first go back to understand what would it have meant when Isaiah wrote this? What would this have meant to the people in the nation of Israel that would have heard Isaiah share this prophecy with them? And I think if we can understand what this would have meant to them, it's going to help us think through what it means for you and I today. So to give a little context of what's happening here in Isaiah, in fact, Drew last week gave us a little bit of the window into what was going on in Israel. We know that things were bad, things were rough. In fact, the nation of Israel was split into two different kingdoms at this time. And we also know that they had continued to reject God and to go their own way. And so God, in in a loving act of discipline, is actually going to use other nations pagan nations to be his loving hand of discipline over the people of Israel to kind of redirect them and to bring them back towards him. And things are going to get pretty bad, but yet we also see in the midst of all of this, there's always this constant whisper of mercy, this constant whisper of grace of God saying, look, I still love you. You are still my people. I'm never going to abandon you. But he's going to use these other nations to correct and redirect his people back to him. And here we see in Isaiah 9, he makes this promise. A promise that, that one day a future king was going to come to this world and not only be a king for Israel, but to be a king over the entire world. And here, some 700 years ago, we see this prophecy of Jesus. We see these titles that are given to Jesus of wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. It's so interesting too, because there, there's many names that God could have chosen to describe Jesus or to give to Jesus, but yet he chose these four titles and he did that for a reason, for a purpose. So as we think about this, this first name of Wonderful Counselor, what does, that, what does that mean? I think if we go back to the language that Isaiah would have been speaking and also writing in the language of, of Hebrew, we get some insight. And what's really interesting about this word wonderful is that it is literally translated um, astonishing or it's wonderful, it's wonder, it's above our thinking or our ways of thinking, and that's this this subtlety to it. That yes, it's uh, astonishing and wonderful, but it's also different. It's beyond what we would expect or think. So this wonderful counsel, it's different than the way you and I would perceive things or this world. It's above that. So wonderful counsel, it simply means wisdom beyond our expectations. It's God's wisdom. It is not man's wisdom. And so. If God is saying to these people, I'm going to send you a wonderful counselor, I think it probably makes sense for us to ask this question of, well, like, okay, well, why? Did they they need counsel from God? And I think the obvious, I mean, that's kind of an obvious question, right? Well, like, yeah, of course, I mean, Nate, you just told us things were really bad. So, yes, right? Why would God send his son Jesus to the world and Jesus gets here and he's like, man, actually, things are good. They got everything together here. You know, I think, I think everything's good. I'm going to come back home, you know, to heaven. No, no, they clearly needed counsel and not just counsel, but they needed wonderful counsel. 
In fact, we get some insight as we look throughout the pages of Isaiah into some of the thinking that was occupying the minds of the people of God, the nation of Israel at this time. Look at what he says, Isaiah 3, verse 6. He says, a man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, you have a cloak, so you be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. Now, I want us to think about this verse with me here for a second. So within Israel, there's a need for a leader. You're looking for a leader. You're in this house. You're with your brother. And you're like, man, my brother's got a sweet coat. So like you have a nice coat. Why don't you be president? Why don't you be the leader? I mean, this is as silly as, as, it, as it sounds. And basically what they are saying is, look, not everyone has a coat. And because you have a coat and it's a really nice coat, you clearly have arrived more than everyone else. You're a little bit more put together. You have it all together. So you should be the boss. You should be our leader. I mean, this is a window into their thinking. We also see just how bad things get within the nation of Israel a little bit later on. Listen to how bad their way of thinking has gotten. Look at Isaiah 30, verse 9. Isaiah writes this. He says, For these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, See no more visions. And to the prophets, Give us no more visions of what's right. Tell us, tell us pleasant things, prophecy, illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. And you see how bad it's gotten. They're not even subtle about it here. They're saying, look, we just want easy things, smooth things to fall on our ears. In fact, tell us things that we know aren't true, but tell it to us anyways because it makes us feel good. Give us these prophecy illusions. Man, they, they are so misled, so far from the counsel of God. Clearly, they are in need of wonderful counsel, and yet they don't even desire it. And while, man, it might be easy to spot this within the nation of Israel, I think, I think it's right and fair for us to flip this around on ourselves and say, man, do we desire counsel from God? Do you desire wonderful counsel from God? Do we really want his insight? I mean, after all, like we have chat GPT, right? We have that. That is kind of like our wonderful counselor right now, right? Whatever you need, you just pop it into the search engine and it will give you all of this you know, essays and papers and writings and boom, just like that in a moment. You got Google, all of this information just within a few moments at our disposal. Man, if you have enough time and you're interested in figuring something out and you just watch enough videos, go to YouTube, man, you can figure out pretty much how to do, to do anything. Do we, do, do I desire wonderful counsel from God? You know, I, I would not call myself a professional counselor, um, but one of the things that I know any good counselor would say is that regardless of your tactics or, or of your approach or your strategies, one of the, the key elements to any good counseling is that the person seeking counseling, there's this desire for change. There's, there's a desire there to listen. And I would imagine maybe some of you have experienced this in your own life. Maybe with a friend, maybe with a family member where you find yourself in a conversation or a situa situation with someone where life is hard. It's challenging and difficult and they're explaining their situation to you, but yet as they are explaining it, they're also telling you all the reasons why they're pretty much going to stay the same. Man, that can be a really frustrating spot to be in as a friend because you want to help and you realize, man, there might be a few things you might be able to do to improve things, but yet you know and you can see there's no desire to change. 
And so this key question for us, do we actually desire wonderful counsel from God? I think it can be easy on the surface to be like, well, yeah, sure, I do. I want, I want wonderful counsel from God, but I think we, should, we need to slow down here a little bit and, and really kind of evaluate and, and ask ourselves this question. Do a little bit of a heart check here and say, do I really desire to seek wonderful counsel from God? And I think sometimes we don't. And I think there's a few reasons why we don't do that. One of them is just a lack of humility, right? Pride gets in the way, right? And we think, man, I got it all together. And if I think I have it all together, well, why would I need to go seek help or seek counsel from somebody else? If I got it all buttoned up or I think I have it all buttoned up, well, why do I need to go to anybody else for insight, right? And so often pride can keep us from truly seeking out help from other people. There's this lack of humility that, that we have. In fact, think about this. Think about what Isaiah is saying here in Isaiah 9. The fact that all God Almighty in his insight and in his wisdom and also in his generosity and grace sees the reality of what is taking place on earth, sends us under the earth, looking at this group of people that needs counsel And he says, not only do you need counsel, you need wonderful counsel, extraordinary insight, and yet there's this heart within the nation of Israel, and maybe even within the heart of you and I today that say, yeah, yeah, I see you, I hear you, God, but you know, I've got this. I think I I can sort all of this out on my own. You see, if we lack humility, we're not going to seek wonderful counsel from God. I think another reason we don't seek counsel from God as we don't like the wonderful counsel that God gives us, right? And, and in particular, that word wonder, right? We, we, we don't, because we have an idea in mind or we have a direction we think that we should go, but yet oftentimes God's counsel is above. It's wonderful counsel and we don't like what he might be telling us that we need to do. One of the things that is fascinating to me is reading the life of Jesus, and examining the life of Jesus. In particular, if you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus is really, he's stepping into his public ministry for the first time, and he's giving this sermon. And all throughout, especially the first part of that sermon, you will see Jesus continuing to raise the bar. And he'll say, you've heard that it was once said this. And he's reflecting back to the Old Testament and to the law. And he's saying, you've heard it was said this, but I tell you, it is now this. And he raises the bar. He's saying, you've heard, you know, that it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, even if you have a lustful thought, it's equal to adultery. You've heard that it was said this, but then he's like, nope, I'm I'm telling you, you need to now pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. You're, You're to love those who persecute you and... Every time Jesus is just raising the bar, he's giving this different or this wonderful counsel. And sometimes that's hard for us to see and to embrace. And we don't like the wonderful counsel that God gives us. So we stop seeking it. We stop pursuing it. I think a third one is, you know, has there been a time in your life when you, you're looking for counsel, but you kind of you already know what you want to do? Right, you're, you're really not looking for counsel. You're kind of just looking for affirmation, right? We don't want counsel. We want affirmation. Right, God, I desire that this would happen. And, and God, I desire that this be your will, so let it be so, amen. You see, there's a difference between really going to God and saying, look, God, I am in desperate need of your wisdom, your insight into my life versus saying, God, just tell me what I am doing is okay. 
And we can so easily do this in prayer. We can do this as we even read our Bibles and we bend scripture in God's word to try to make it say what we feel like it should say for our lives. Maybe you've even found yourself in a conversation with a friend and they're describing their situation and their plight with you. And, you know, you give a little bit of feedback or some advice, right, on how they might be, you know, needing to rethink about this situation and, right, they kind of push back at that and they're like, okay, well, let, let me explain all of this to you again a second time. Because if I explain it to you a second time, well, clearly you're going to understand my situation. And if, again, you still offer feedback or don't fully, aren't fully in agreement, what does your friend do? Well, they just move to somebody else. And they'll move to somebody else until they find someone who's just going to affirm what they already have in terms of a direction in their mind. They're not really looking for counsel. They just want affirmation. So as we think about this question, do you, do I desire wonderful counsel from God? I think there are times in our lives where we don't because we lack humility. We don't like the wonderful counsel God provides or we're really not wanting counsel at all. We're wanting affirmation. And one of the things that we know here from Isaiah 9 is that God wants and desires for us to know and experience the wonderful counsel of God. But what we also know, this counsel isn't going to just be something taught to the nation of Israel or even to, the, to us, but we actually see that this counsel, the wonderful counsel of God was going to come and come in a person, that being Jesus, which is the reality of Christmas, that Jesus came to proclaim and live out the wonderful counsel of God to be he, he is the wonderful counsel of God, which is astounding, right? That God saw fit for you and me, not just to have from a distance the counsel that God has given to us, but no, he would send Jesus to this earth to show us what the wisdom and the insight of God looks like when it's lived out. It's like God saying, man, I, I gave him the law. They complained about the Old Testament law. Then I gave them kings, but they didn't like the kings, and that didn't work out. Then I gave the judges, and then I even gave them prophets, but then they didn't like the prophets, and it's like God is saying, all right, okay, I'm going myself. <laughs> and he sends Jesus to live out the counsel of God. And so if Jesus is the wonderful counsel of God lived out, I think then the next natural question for us is, well, then how do we get to know? How do we understand this wonderful counselor of God? And I think there's a few things. I think the first thing, if we desire to understand the wonderful counselor of God is we need to read about the life of Jesus. Read about the life of Jesus in the gospels. That Jesus is the counsel of God lived out for us to see and to understand what God truly desires that our lives should look like. So we should read and study the life of Jesus. We have the wonderful counsel of God through the life of Jesus. And look, this is not just a ploy for me to get you to read your Bibles more or just just to do another thing to add to your, your list. That, that's really not what I'm trying to get at. What I'm really trying to encourage you towards is, look, if you're looking for counsel and wondering what this wonderful counsel looks like, you need to study the life of Jesus. And as you read and study the life of Jesus, what you will begin to, to discover is that he will wonderfully and lovingly mess your life up. 
because it's natural and easy for us to think like, okay, I'm pursuing everlasting hope and peace and purpose or satisfaction over here. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Follow me. Watch me. Look at the way I loved others and served others. Look, I want to wonderfully counsel your life this way. Follow me. That's Jesus' invitation to us. He's saying, man, I am the wonderful counsel of God, so follow me, watch me. And as we do that, he shifts our goals. He shifts what success looks like. He shifts what our priorities are, are to be. So if we're to know the wonderful counselor of God, we must read and study the life of Jesus. If you're wondering, like, how do I do that? Or where, where do I even start? I'd encourage you, start with the Gospel of Matthew. Start with the first book of the Bible. In fact, I talked about, you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 a little bit earlier. I love the gospel of Matthew as you get to see the life of Jesus lived out, right? Chapter 1's a little bit tough, like, but just like get through chapter 1 and all the genealogy stuff and you will be smooth sailing. Um, in fact, this week we're going to put in our Tuesday Equip email some uh, gospel-centered reading plans and resources. If you're interested in that, um, we'll have some resources there. If you're like, Equip email, what in the world is an Equip email? If you'd like to sign up for that, just go to iwant.info. Go to the banner there for that, and you can, you can get um, on that list so you can have that resource. But there's one, one final thought that I want to leave with us today from this passage. You know, there's moments when we look into scripture, we look into God's word and we see something that's prophesied and foretold and we know it is going to come to pass. We see the certainty of God's plans and his purposes. You know, and here in Isaiah 9, Isaiah here, he's writing with this prophetic sense of certainty. He knows that these things are going to come to pass. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah here, he is certain of the purposes and the plans that God has for the nation of Israel. But yet we know and see that the nation of Israel just kind of is like, yeah, we hear you, Isaiah. Or we hear, we hear you, God, through Isaiah and through his word and prophecies. But yet, I think we got this. Thanks, but no thanks. We're going to go our own way. And I would imagine for some of you here today... Maybe you find yourself in that very same category where you are hedging your bets. Where you're saying to yourself, yeah, someday. You know, someday I'll, I'll make that right. Someday I'll change that, you know, but for right now, I think I'm just going to roll the dice. I'm just going to see what happens. I'm not so sure that God is going to really bring to pass what he says is true in his word. If I can just live this way a little bit longer, if I can just make these decisions and choices a little bit longer, man, I, I'm not really sure that God is going to really do what he says. And what Isaiah is, is telling to us through Isaiah 9 verse 6, what he's speaking to you and to me today, and through this prophecy that was written 700 years ago that has come to pass, and it is true, is that God's plans and his purposes will always come to pass. His counsel and his word is always right, and we can either operate within God's purposes and plans and counsel, or we can go against it. He has ordained the world to work in such a way that if we operate against his counsel and his will, it ends up hurting us. And it's not because God's up in heaven throwing stones at us. 
because he wants to us to experience this hurt. No, it's precisely because he's good and loving and powerful and all-knowing and our everlasting father that he desires for us to walk with him because he knows what is best for you and for me. And so here at Christmas, this, this is the beautiful Christmas invitation. It's for us to submit to the wonderful counselor. Let's, let's not push back. Don't, don't push back against the counsel of God. Don't push back against Jesus. Don't fight against him. Rather, we need to submit to him. Jesus came to show us the wonderful counsel of God. And he's not just a counselor that's just like, hey, let me give you some tips or just some practical advice. Yes, he gives incredible insights into how we should live our lives, but it's way more than that. He wants to walk with you, to live with you, to come alongside of you, to know you in a deep and meaningful and personal way and to walk with you in life and allow him to lead your life and guide your life. But he will never force you to submit to him but he invites you and me to follow him. So let's submit to him. Let's submit to the wonderful counselor. Man, names are important. Names are very important. And Jesus is mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and wonderful counselor. And it's precisely because Jesus is all of these names that his truth will come to pass. And he is a wonderful counselor that can be trusted and he is good and we can depend on him. And so maybe for you, as you step into Christmas this, this season, maybe for you, it is your first Christmas stepping in and submitting your life fully to the wonderful counselor of Jesus Christ. Maybe for some of you, even as I've been speaking today, it's like, man, today God wants to wonderfully counsel you back towards following him. Maybe you've been pursuing other things, other people, the counsel of this world, and he's saying there's this invitation to come back, submit to me, follow me. I am your wonderful counselor. Let's not fight back. Let's not push back against the wonderful counselor of God. Let's instead submit to him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, God, that you did not stay distant. But yet, God, in your generosity and kindness, you sent your son, Jesus, our wonderful counselor to this world to walk with us and to show us, God, what you desire for our lives, of how we are to live, to lead, and to serve and love. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to submit to the wonderful counselor, to Jesus. May we allow um, him to guide and to lead our lives. Lord, we thank you for that truth and reminder this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.